Welcome to the Creative Tools podcast. My name is Ashay and I'm immensely passionate about using technology for creativity. On this podcast, I talk to various creators about what tools and technology they use to be creative. My guest today is Tom Sixsmith. Tom Sixsmith makes custom door harps in his studio in California. Door harps are mounted on every interior door and add a musical charm every time the door is opened or closed. Originating from Scandinavia to welcome good spirits, custom door harps are beautifully crafted and reflect a special interest, expression, sport, craft, hobby or special occasion. Hey Tom, thanks a lot for visiting my podcast. Hey Ashkai, glad to be here. Thank you. So my first question is, uh, what do you create? We create, I create door harps. Um, door harps are a Scandinavian traditional item and um, they're used on an inside door. And um, the purpose of them was to drive out the evil spirits. And um, I first came across door harps maybe 30 years ago. I was at an Irish fair and I saw one and I purchased one and I had it in my house. And I've always loved it because it's kind of a neat thing. And um, so I recently kind of semi-retired and was looking for something that I could do in my retirement years. And I was looking for something that I could uh, create. Um, I could work with my hands, um, something that was different and also something I could go around the country and sell at craft shows and do a little bit of traveling, meet some people, go to different places. And um, the door harps are, uh, not a lot of people know about them. Um, so I thought they were kind of different. But what I've done is I've taken, most door harps just say kind of welcome or have different things like that. Um, I've taken it to a personal level. So I try to make it uh, reflect people's interests, um, perhaps their occupation, their beliefs, their systems, and just take a little bit different level to it. So that, that was what I had in mind when I, I started our custom door harps uh, operation. So do you always uh, take people's ideas and then put them in door harps? Or do you also create some uh, door harps that say other than welcome? Yeah, and it's kind of from the word custom door harp. So I have some standard ones that I've made, about 70 of them that I go around and show. Um, and I've tried to take all the different kinds of sports, um, perhaps some people's um, favorite teams, um, their interests, or just some, some sayings, um, uh, different, well, people like birds, people like cooking, people like um, they're, they're like canoeing or hiking or whatever I do on, on, to, to reflect that. But I also do custom ones. And um, that's kind of one of the other things I can do. So if there's a, um, somebody that has an anniversary coming up, then I can make a door harp that reflects their, the names of the people and the date um, or a new baby welcoming. Or um, for instance, I, I'll have one that says, welcome to the Joneses house and have a particular um, image there that they want to, re to be reflected. So yeah, there is a custom aspect of it. Um, and I always love the challenge. Of, okay, what, 
can you make me this? Can you make me that? And so that, that's kind of the fun part of it, kind of the creative part of it. I had somebody that said, well, my son's a, um, he's a conductor and I want this thing to say music for life. So I, mm -hmm. an image of a conductor with a baton and I, and I said just that. And so um, there's a little bit of the challenge on, on what somebody wants, but usually through the combination of um, creating the, because you have to create a chamber within the harp for the music to resonate. So you mm -hmm. have some of the, some openings there. And then I'll do somewhat of a combination of carving as well as some uh, routing of the, of the wood itself. Yeah, so can one door harp sound different than another one? They can. It all depends on how you tune it. I'm not musically inclined, uh, and I, I state that flat out. But there are the strings are three different lengths, so they do have a slightly different tone to them. And there's the marble that um, that, that hits it, and uh, if it's not exactly in the center, it'll be a little bit different tone than others. But um, the, the the door harps themselves are. Um, they just make a, a slight chime is what they mm. do. And every time and the inside door is open and closed. But in general, I mean, not necessarily just your door harps, but in general, can they be made to sound with like some specific notes? I don't think they can. I mean, I, okay. I and I haven't dug into it deep enough to see if that is, is, is a particular interest because it's just, it's just a time at the end of the day. Mm. Now, somebody has a musical ear, and they're sensitive to that, then they may want to have, you know, I want this to be a C note or something like that. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, as I said, not my forte. Okay. Um, so I, I want to talk about like three sections in this interview. So the first one is pre-creation part. So before you start creating, uh, what tools uh, do you use for inspiration and that part, then the actual creation. So how do you create and then post-creation. So let's um, let's focus on the pre-creation part. So how do you receive inspiration for making door harps? How do you record that inspiration? And how do you retrieve the inspiration when you actually want to make one? So when I want, when I came up with the uh, my base number of them that I wanted to create a display with, I had a checklist of different interests that I thought people would like. Um, I thought that, for instance, a parent or a grandparent would want to have, if their son or grand uh, son or daughter played a particular sports. Um, like hockey or soccer, of course, or any of those. So I made a number of them that reflected the most standard sports that you see. And then I also looked at different hobbies and interests that people would be interested in and kind of came through a checklist. And so I tried to balance it out so that I would have a fairly reflective um, display that would um, kind of hopefully get the universe of people out there and capture their interests. So uh, the, and then of course, as I said, there's there's the custom side of it. And, and I, I've made a number of these as gifts for people and they all love them. Um, I made one for a cancer patient, a recovered cancer patient. She said it was one of the best gifts she's ever gotten because um, it kind of just reflects that emotional 
um, appeal to her, something very, very um, personal to her. So that's kind of the, uh, the, the, um, the, the background as to how I, I put the display together. Now, how I get the images, that's kind of the next segue there. Um, I simply look for the, the particular topic that I'm looking for. Um, for instance, if, I'm, if it's a, um, a baseball or something or, or a football player, then I uh, typically just go to Google and then I'll get a, a silhouette image. And uh, you can usually find a host of them on there and you just simply would scroll through there and find one that, that fits for what I'm looking for. And there are certain things like, like a bicycle is really hard to do because once you start cutting the wheels out, you lose everything on the inside. So it's, you have to be kind of conscious of what that image is going to look like when you go to cut it out on, on the router. Um, but there's ways you can manipulate the, um, the image. So the, so I, I, I bought a, a few programs. So I, I'll import that image into a GIF or a, if I or whatever I, I need. And then I have to create um, an ESP file that vectorizes it. Hmm. Hmm. So it takes that image that is you know, a 2D image and then basically makes a, a vector of it. So it's a series of straight lines. Mm -hmm. And then in that program, you can also try, you can kind of move those lines and massage those lines as needed to, to create the image. And then, for instance, if, if the distance between two um, objects is too close, and when you go to cut it out, you're gonna lose the part, or it's just gonna simply, um, it's not strong enough to support that. Um, like, for instance, I was doing a, 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 the times on a fork um, for the chef one. And mm. you, you have to be able to make those wide enough that you can um, still have uh, material left when you're done cutting it. Which software is this, the one that you just mentioned that vectorizes it? Um, I use Corral for the uh, image, and then the there's a Vetrex, which is um, part of the CNC program that came with the router that I bought. Um, so, so there's a CNC router, and then they provide software that converts all that to what they call G-code so that the, knows the, tells the router what to do. I, I'm not familiar with this device called CNC router. What does this do? Uh, CNC is computer numerically controlled. And um, these are, either, you can have lathes, you can have routers um, or router tables and mills. But essentially what it is, is it takes and, um, a router is simply like a hand router, like you would have, and it's mounted on a table with um, stepper motors that move the router in its position, either circle, up and down, or whatever. And um, so you have to, once you get the program in and you, you load it onto, you have to convert it to the, the G code, as I said, and then, um, it will, you plug it into the, the, the router and I have a relatively small one. Mine's about um, 18 inches by maybe 12 inches. So it's a relatively small table, but it's perfect for my application. Um, so, and then you have to put different bits in there. You have to put it mm -hmm. into 
to um, carve the name or letters, then you use a different bit for that. If you're cutting out holes, then you use a different bit for that. If you're drilling holes, you use a different bit for that. So is it so, like a like a reverse 3D printer? Like it carves letters on uh, letters or image, whatever you feed to it on a wooden block. Correct. It's it's simply it's sim similar to that kind of it. It's basically like if, if yeah, 3D printer is basically coming along and depositing material in a certain location repeatedly. Um, and this is sort of the same type of thing, the same sort of drive that moves it in a two dimensional, mm. three dimensional. But on the end of it, you have a, a bit that, that's cutting through wood. Mm. So it's like a reverse 3D printer. It's not depositing solid. It's actually taking away material. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Um, let's let's talk a little bit about the the 70 ideas that you had. Uh, not the custom ones that you get from your customers, but the the 70 ideas. So do you uh, only have those, or do you continuously add stuff to it based on your experience and your uh, what you talk with customers, and then make something new? That's a good point. It it is constantly changing because I can see that there's certain tastes that people right. migrate to. Um, the ones that are reflective of the home and um, they're they're um, kind of the the warmth side of it. The like the you know, piece to wall, and I've had some um, uh, shalom and and different. So I try also try to reflect. Um, different ethnic backgrounds as well. Um, but yes, I can see that there's a uh, there's a migration towards some of the more warm type of things. So I'm looking at constantly adding those and, and the kind of the re replacing the ones that I'm uh, that are not moving with ones that I see that are moving more often. And where do you keep this checklist? Is it uh, just in a notebook or somewhere digital? Well, I keep a list of everything that I make. And um, so what I do when I go to a show, I have an actual picture of the harp. Um, it's behind the actual harp. So if I sell one of the harps, I still have a picture there of the one that they could buy. Um, if, they, if I don't have one there, then I can, they say, oh, well, I can make that for you. And then we said, so it continues to give an expression of what is available as far as my offering. So I don't just have a blank there. No, no, no. What I'm saying is this list of uh, harps that you have already made, this list of 70 harps, and you are saying it's continuously changing. That list is a physical list somewhere in a notebook, or is it like in an Excel spreadsheet or somewhere else? It's in an Excel spreadsheet. I pretty much do most of my stuff in Excel. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. It's an Excel spreadsheet. Um, has it ever happened to you that you an idea struck you that you, you could make like this message on the harp, but then uh, you didn't get around making it. And then like two years later, you completely forgot about it. Has, has it ever happened? I can't say that it has, because usually when, if I get an inspiration for something, then, I, then I'll just kind of plug right into it and go ahead and make it. But yeah, it hasn't okay. happened. Okay, okay, great. Uh, the reason I'm asking is um, the, I mean, I'm a filmmaker, so 
whenever and i because i make films i also watch a lot of films but i am not necessarily continuously making films all the time so whenever i watch something if i find something inspiring i kind of just text it to myself so it's in my text box but then two years down the line when i'm making a film i always struggle going back to the inspiration that i have recorded two years ago because uh i most of the times i don't even remember that i had uh-huh. something uh, recorded so so the the moment of hit inspiration hitting me and the moment of creation are like separated by years sometimes uh-huh. <laughs> so that's why that's why i, I asked this question um so another the, so let's now move to the creation part um so you mentioned that uh, you have a software uh, where you could load images and then you could uh, try something but do you use like a uh, do you use that software also as a pre visualization software for your creations um and then you create or you create something and if you don't like it then you create another one how how does it work for you well, the software set up that you can you can simulate the run the actual cutting ahead of time, so you can mm-hmm. see um, if you're if it'll tell you um, if you're cutting too deep into the wood, mm-hmm. um, or or you like when you put a uh, you have an, an outline of the image, you can run the router bit on the inside, on the line, or on the outside of the line. So you have different ways that you can manipulate the tool, and then you can play with that and say, well, okay, well, I, I better run this on the inside of the line um, because it gives me more space for the, the finished product or something like that. So yes, you can simulate um, the the carving prior to actually doing it. Is this in Coral, uh, the software that you use for images, or this is in the CNC router this software? Is, that's in the CNC software. Oh, okay okay and do you literally like see your the 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 block the 3d block digitally in front of you before you make it does give you a 3d image and you can manipulate it and, and turn it so you can say how far into the wood huh. you're cutting or things like that um for instance like if you do carving for letters um if you carve too deep they start to kind of mesh together and mm. they start to lose definition so you can do some things like reduce the depth of penetration and you can you can play with it that way how do you decide on the which font to use for the letters um i use i use basically two different fonts uh uh, lucendia or something is for my um kind of my scriptive and i use times roman for the basic ones but if a custom order comes to you with maybe some handwritten text or something that could you make that happen yeah because you have the like typical uh, microsoft um, word or whatever you have quite a host of different fonts that you can that are available for you oh okay they, they may not always carve the same way what they look like in printing versus carved wood and and you have to have the right bit to make the the carving look right there's all different kind of degrees for the bit for the carving that that you can choose from but then uh if like for example if i want to order a custom harp with my handwriting on it uh then you would probably make an image of handwriting and then uh, carve the image on the harp will that is that a possibility 
Uh, I believe it is. I could basically scan your, um, your handwriting, for instance, um, and then import that into the program as is, and then simply overlay it and then resize it as needed mm. to, to fit the heart. I mean, the reason I'm asking is I mean, I'm a big fan of like custom fonts because uh, I, I I mean, it's just like me being stickler for uh, being my voice in, in the fonts. So uh, I found this tool a few days ago called Calligrapher, uh, which is a free tool where you can make a font from your handwriting. Huh. So uh, So it kind of prints you out a template of all the glyphs that you need to uh, write and then you uh, write in your handwriting you scan it and then it makes like a vector version of wow. the of your handwriting and it basically becomes a font of your own handwriting Crazy. so it's a very custom made font very custom yeah <laughs> um okay now let's talk about the post uh, creation part. So once you have created uh, your creation, how do you release, how do you distribute and how do you market your creations? Um, I do have an on-site or our website um, and uh, actually I'm fairly recent into this. I've gone to maybe a dozen shows and such. The one in Santa Clara was probably one of the biggest ones. Um, I, as I said, I'm semi-retired. so. I'm still um, still doing some, some work. So I haven't dove into it fully, um, but uh, um, the, the, the website promoting that, um, that's it would be another avenue that I could sell because these are handcraft items as well, but, but I haven't really pushed into the, uh, the marketing side of it as much as I, I should or I will. Hmm. So do you use social media at all for letting people know about your creations? I don't. Do you plan to use it or you don't? I, yeah, I do plan to. But as I said, I'm not, the, I, I, I just started this just when COVID hit. So the, the number of trade shows that I could go to was so severely limited, if any. Um, and now that that's being relaxed, I'm starting to get out a little bit more. And I'm probably looking for my kids to help me on the social media side since it's, again, not my expertise. Uh, I didn't get to the part of like uh, the actual wires that you add on the harp. So are those, uh, are those also custom made or do you, how, how, where does that material come from? The marbles and the, uh, the cords? Yeah, maybe just even a backup a little bit. So I have to make um, blank pieces of wood that I'm, I'm using to uh, start with um, a piece of uh, um, pine, one by eight. I cut that into a certain size. I have to draw out a, a, a four and a half inch diameter hole from that. And then I glue um, birch on either side of that. So I have a, a set size of wood. It's basically 10 by eight to start with. Um, so those blanks are, every blank is, uh, I start with that. So once I've, um, I have the blank, I do the creation, I go through and I cut the actual harp out of that piece of wood. Um, I now have to uh, add the, I have to stain it of course, and I add the, they call uh, zither pins and, and posts. Um, 
And I use a 40 gauge um, steel musical wire for the uh, for the, the harp um, music wires. And um, so I have to pre-wind those um, so they fit on the post. And then I, I, I uh, and insert them and tighten them until I hear a certain resonance. Um, and then I have to add the, the marble ball with uh, the string attached to it. So I have to have a device that I can mount the string to it. I have to glue that on, um, add some nails to the top of the harp to mount them to, and then simply mount the, the uh, chiming balls to the nails at the precise level so that they strike the center of the uh, the ball with the, with the wire. Okay. Um, so what is the biggest challenge you face in your creation process? Biggest challenge in, in the creation process um, is um, coming up with the right image to begin with, because there's um, so many different offerings, for instance. I mean, I've done a few sports teams and things like that um, for, and you have to look at, as I said, there's certain, you, you, you gotta be conscious of when you cut the, the center pieces out, do you lose something else? In other words, if you cut an eyeball out and you wanna still have the pupil there, you're not going yeah. to have that pupil anymore because everything drops out. So that's kind of part of the challenge. Um, the, uh, but it's, it's usually after um, maybe takes between a half an hour, 45 minutes to, to finalize a design, um, to create the vectors and to manipulate it. So probably my, more of my biggest challenge is on the marketing side, which is, is trying to get the name out there and, and to mm. sell more that way. Mm. And how has uh, digital technology impacted your creation process? Well, I couldn't do this at all without the CNC router. I mean, that's really the key to this. You could, um, if you had a scroll saw, um, there would be a, a means of doing that, but I don't think you could get anywhere near the precision that you can. And to, to do it with the scroll saw, you'd have to make a pattern. You would have to embed that onto the piece of wood, glue it on, and you'd have to physically route those around and hand route them, I should say, uh, with a scroll saw. And if you're really good at it, you could probably do that. I know some, some people that, that utilize that. Um, but to come up with all the different variations and, and the, uh, the customizing of it, um, really has to use the CNC router. And it's, a, it's a great tool. I absolutely love working with it. It's a lot of fun. Um, when you were talking about uh, challenge with uh, coming up, coming up with images, uh, I just thought about something. Um, so I, when I make films, I have to make storyboards, which are also images. And uh, I am a horrible sketcher. Like I cannot sketch. Um, so, uh, but I can't even, I can't necessarily uh, hire someone to sketch for me. Um, so I found this uh, program called DALL-E, uh, D-A-L-L slash E, uh, not slash E, uh, dash E, um, where if I add text, it will 
create an image for me from that text. And uh, it was very liberating for me because um, I can just say, okay, I want a close up of uh, a woman and her kid uh, next to a beach. I mean, next to an ocean on a beach. And then it would create like an image for me, which was, um, uh, 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 again, as I said, like I couldn't sketch. So if I if I saw a sketch in front of me and that was really great. So maybe that is something that you could try as well. Instead of uh, searching for images on Google, you can create an image for you. Uh, it's, a, it's a machine learning algorithm where you type in text and it creates an image for you, which wow. is a... That is that is crazy stuff. <laughs> and the, the the more description you give um, to that program, the more uh, the detailed yeah, the image detail, would be. More detail, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's called Dal E D A L L dash E. Yeah, and it's right now it's completely free. Uh, you just have to request access for it as a creator. Um, if you Google it, you will find it. Uh, okay. It's D A L L dash E. Very cool. Um, I mean, <laughs> the, I mean, the, the fun part is it can create like any kind of image, like it can create even an image with, uh, like Van Gogh style painting as well, because it has all of this trade. Th think wow. of it as like, it's, it's, it has this training data of like multiple images, and then it is learning from that data and creating an image for you. Um, so, um, uh, I mean, I have seen like some instances where like people actually created images with that and then sold those as paintings. <laughs> but, but 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 that's irrelevant. That's probably not an ethical thing to do as an artist. Uh, but if you want an inspiration for an image, you could get that image from it. Yeah. That's what that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, so I it's could see, very... I, I could see where that may be uh, a useful item. Yeah. Just to try it out anyways, yeah. yeah. So my last question is, um, what is the vision uh, of your creations? Uh, what is the what is your vision for your creations? Like with the tools and technology that you see around yourself, do you see uh, creating in a different manner in future? Um, I don't think so. I the the CNC router um the only other thing that that there is a uh, a laser etcher um which you can attach to instead of using a router itself it uses a, a laser to burn images those are fairly common i mean you see those in, in a number of different applications uh for me that's the only thing where i could see where it could be um an extension of what i'm currently doing for instance if i wanted to add um, fine detail because you you if you wanted to add a lot of text um, it would be difficult to mm. to etch to to carve it into a relatively small space but it would be very easy to do with a laser printer mm. a laser etcher I should say yeah and they're relatively inexpensive they're three or four hundred dollars so. okay great all right. Thanks a lot, Tom, for your time. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you, Ashley. Appreciate being here. Thanks for tuning in. If you are a creator, I would love to talk with you. Please connect with me through my website or social media. See you in the next episode.